1: We're about to listen to a podcast full of wonder, excitement, and discovery. It's time for an adventure through Odyssey. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Adventures Through Odyssey podcast, Odyssey Revisited. I'm Will here with John, and we're about to dive into our next batch of episodes. All right. Starting with our first episode, Recollections. Whit's best friend, Tom Riley, tells Connie the story of
2: how Whitson was created amid tragic circumstances. I would say, we, we talked about this in the last episode with a member of the family, but I would... Consider so this a very classic episode. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of times shows when they try to do their first emotional episode,
1: maybe either don't do it so well or I either overdo it or lean too much into the comedy or that kind of thing. But I think this episode does a very good job balancing everything and feeling very emotional without ever feeling like too much of a dirge.
2: Yeah, I will say, I'm it's always caught off guard that it's like four years earlier he started with Send. And that's because like Odyssey has like a weird like floating timeline. So to say it's like only four years, especially from such an early episode, it's like probably fairly true, but it's also just weird, too, when you find... As we keep going to, like, the history of Wit's and how it was created and everything. I would agree. I like that there's a lot of this they stick to, however. I I agree. I I do like that. It was definitely, like, unlike with sister from, like, My Brother's Keeper episode, it's very, like, written down that, like, this is very important to Wit's thing, and we're gonna reference it if it comes up. And I mean, like, the smaller details, like, Wit and Tom were clearly not friends before he opened Wit's and we
1: never have an episode that contradicts that. Yeah. Uh. I guess Jenny dying before Wits End opened, if we don't count Family Portraits. Yeah. But but you are right. So in the last episode, I mentioned retroactive continuity. And to me, especially with all these legacy sequels, is a thing people are doing more and more often where they add stuff to a story to justify certain actions. Yeah. For example, like in the more recent Mission Impossible movies, they've written that Ethan Hunt was just so devastated losing that team in the first movie. That's why he was such a lone wolf up until the fourth one. But that doesn't make those movies better. Yeah. Like, two is still pretty bad. Yeah. And to use Clara as an example, because at one point, Tom says, no one really saw Wit for a while after Jenny died. Okay, so we know that's when Clara takes place. And that of existing does not retroactively make this worse or better. It just makes it more of an experience.
2: Yeah. I I just wonder if someone on the writing team knew that, knew someone who suffered an illness similar to Jenny, because it is very specific. It's not cancer or a stroke or anything, it's very specifically, like, deteriorating of kidneys, which isn't, like, a typical thing people think of. Even, like, Wit's like, oh, that sounds like it's curable, and then it's like, oh, it's gone too far. I would agree with that. Uh, it did always make me nervous whenever I had, like, a sore throat, like I kind like of moved to my kidneys. Because it it's like, it's, like it's stuck like... in a CD player for a while, so... Ah. Uh, it is, like, it is weird, because Wit's just like, oh, you have a sore throat, you should get it checked out, or, like, you never really got over your cold earlier. And then it is this, like, thing. I feel like Odyssey sometimes unintentionally makes kids worry like i have a cold am i gonna die you know that is very possible i would also say this is the
1: episode of grumpy i guess grumpy wit like even in the flashbacks we i get this vibe that wit was particularly a grumpy
2: person mm-hmm. but jenny keeps referring to him that way maybe it's just like post-retirement Wit doesn't know what to do with himself i will say wit this episode does show that wit has some mad cash yes i was about to say he's the chairman of the board of universal encyclopedia
1: he's the one who probably spearheads the purchase so why didn't Jenny push him to do that more? You know, it's like... I would like to say, maybe she did off-screen, but they could have at least had her say,
2: you've got all the resources to do it, why don't you? Because it seems like just so Wit can barge in and surprise everybody at the end. Maybe in their internal notes they have Wit, like, going to Webster, or going to the Universal Press and, like, really demanding and really pushing and and finally he got them to do it, but they're like, we don't have time to the episode for this. That is possible. I think it
1: But I think we're also supposed to see oh, Connie's surprised to learn that we did all this and he makes no money off of it. But he is clearly making mad cash from the encyclopedia. But that would be interesting if in a future episode they
2: discuss where's what's money coming from now. Digital encyclopedia as well. Oh, that's very possible. So They're probably selling it to, like, libraries and colleges or, like, you know, academic journals or something. Yes. But I do agree, the whole four
1: years ago today thing, and again, this is an early episode, you can throw out continuity nods like that. But yes, in later episodes, like, in Clara, just use that as an example. And I know a few years have passed in the fiction of the show, but we don't know how many. When they talk about grown-up Clara, they make her sound like she's at least in her 20s. Yeah. So if Jenny had died even six years prior. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. I, I, did, I did also want to say, I know Officer Hurley comes off as a little buffoonish. I did love his speech about, study show, all juvenile delinquents are between the ages of 5 and 18. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> I know that's probably a really bad thing for him to say, but I did find that amusing.
2: Yeah, that that's a very fair point. Yes.
1: I would also say, and I understand it's probably they're just saying no one had money. Tom mentioned, you know, some of us are obviously like old-fashioned things. So wouldn't there be more of a push against Glossman?
2: Maybe this is before they knew how bad Glossman
1: was. Well, there's that. I get the whole point is they're trying to make money so it boosts the amount Universal Encyclopedia is like, like, willing to pay for the land. Yeah. But it does kind of feel like they're really relying on Jenny to pull the rabbit out of the hat on this one, so.
2: I know, you'd think there'd be more people really pushing for it.
1: At least that's what Tom makes it sound like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So other than that, I'm going over, you know, it is kind of interesting to hear her complain about arcades and video rental stores when those are so antiquated now. Yeah. Like, now they're pop-up rental stores, people so just have the nostalgic experience. Yeah. But overall, I think this is really good. I I wish we dove more into this part of Wits Past, because, I, you know, I guess we're supposed to see he's angry. I guess I kind of wish we knew why,
2: other than Jenny just died. And I, think, I, I think, think it's just plan. that Jenny died, well. I, I mean in the first half of the episode. Uh. That's fair. Maybe at this point his life was just disillusioned with the encyclopedia business. It could be that.
1: They always kind of paint him as maybe not being the world's greatest dad, so it's possible his love for kids, even though he was a teacher, hadn't quite rolled along yet. It's true. And I was going to say, last thing about Retroactive Continuity, that scene at the house where he's really upset and says, like, you know, this town has taught me nothing lasts forever, that also hits a little harder, knowing he just broke up with his best friend and the Clara thing had happened.
0: Yeah.
1: And again, didn't even intended that way. And I know Clara was probably written
2: specifically to explain why Jack had never been mentioned up until that point. That's a hundred percent. They look at the continuity. It's like, where can we put this? And it's like, ah, right here. Yes. Well, because I think it's also when is the
1: one time Wait could have gone and tried to adopt a kid when there was no outside force to stop them. Exactly. And we'll cover that when we get to the episode. I just I found it very interesting listening to that episode knowing the context.
0: Yeah.
1: And of course they added later, but still, any fun. Last thing I will say: this episode talks a lot about memory. Like, Chris always, isn't it funny how your memory can sometimes play tricks on you, which is
2: what not what this episode is about at all. <laughs> That happens sometimes in these odyssey episodes they like start it like oh it has a loose connection it's like not really what the moral of the story is yeah and then all the discussion questions about like
1: significant memories and that kind of thing i get for wit and top wit has a significant memory because tom is telling him the story yeah like we don't have wit talk about like yeah those are some very important memories and even though they hurt i have to
2: remember them or something something yeah. like that just, the odyssey like, people writing this episode were like the big thing is just like these moments in our lives that completely like change everything and like their thought is like this is such a strong memory because it's what's actually propelled this basically entire audio series like in world to happen yeah you don't like are right i think I, that's their thought probably when writing that but like moral of the story it's not quite how it comes off yes and even again if they just had to wait to say two lines but anyway i don't even think chris wrap up is a terribly good
1: job but minor blemish on the episode all right mike makes it right Billy Barton, bully of Odyssey Elementary, gets into a fight with Mike Caldwell. Mike wins and he becomes arrogant and lets him go to his head.
2: This seems like such a this is such a generic episode. Well
1: I think even more so by it's episode 20 and they held off releasing it until album three. Yeah. Which, just to, just for context for everybody, if I can get this page to load. I think album three has episodes in the seventies.
2: Okay, the forties and fifties. Yeah. I this whole episode is just kinda of like weird to me in terms of like I'm Sorry for saying, like, the episode just seems weird. I mean, not weird, it's it's generic. I mean, it's almost like Christmas story sort of stuff where it's like, ah, like the weak kid ends up beating up the bully and it's like, ah, it works out for him. Or it's like the dozens of other children's media that's like done this exact same story. So I'm not saying it's like a bad story to tell, but I'm also just kind of like, eh.
1: So I have a few more thoughts on this episode that I will, I wonder if it was held off from release because the episode does kind of have wit imply you should just stand up to him and try to talk to him and not call the school.
2: Yeah. I mean, this was, I think, before people did as much actively against bullying, like adults.
1: I would agree, but when offers to call the school and the kid says no, if I were when I'd still call the school, the kid does not mm. tell his mom. And, like, I, all these Asian styles of things make bullying look so much worse than just some tussles on the playground. Like, yeah. if you've seen It, you know what I'm talking about. I do, however, seem to recall growing up, a lot of kids' TV shows that dealt with bullies kind of had to be gotta stand up to them, or something dumb would happen where they get hit in the face and suddenly turn into wimps. As I was aging out of those shows, I could
2: see it starting to switch over to tell an adult. Yeah, because I think Standing up has, sure, some benefits, but I think in the end it's like, an adult should be dealing with this, an adult should handle this. As, uh, notice in this
1: episode when the principal calls Mike into his office to talk to him, why does he never, I mean, he doesn't have to say he did this, but it seems like he's never called the bully in the uh, office to talk to him. I know, it's weird. I mean, maybe the, for all we know, the bully was brought into the office, but. He was on, although the principal was on vacation, so the slight implication maybe the bully was able to get away with more because
2: the principal was gone. But a teacher should have, the principals don't have that much say of that kind of stuff. Maybe they did in the past when kids weren't as wild. That's possible. And we I have, guess kids were probably wild back then, too. Oh, yeah. and you know Back in those days. Yes. All right.
1: So the final thing is the kid at the end who punches Mike in the stomach. Okay. So what is the implication here supposed to be? That he is now the new school bully, or he's just kind of an arrogant douchebag who feels like he deserves to have his books picked up? I feel like it's, like, arrogant, you know? Because right, I feel like if a kid came into school behaving that way, everyone would be like, you dweeb, why are you making him pick up your books? I thought it was that wit's end. What was the school? It was in the school. Mike accidentally bumped into him, and yes, Mike gets a little, you know, bully-ish. So maybe he deserved the punch in the stomach,
2: but I I do kind of go, okay, this kid's being a little, like... I agree. I think that the kid is not necessary, which is one problem. It's not like I feel like the kids would be like, yeah, this is like our new like, champion. They would be like, oh no, it's like another bully. Maybe the punch was really like, kind of pathetic. And like, and Mike just went down. That's very
1: possible. Uh, what was I going to say? I think if they had just had it like sound like Mike was, maybe Mike, like, tapped him on the, like, punched him in the arm and he defended himself or something. Because, yes, mm-hmm. in the fight, it sounds like it was a lucky punch and he hulks out because his shirt got ripped.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, which yes. I don't, I don't know if I would get that mad of a I've never been in a school fight, so this is probably not a specific thing. Of, but what school fight is, I've never seen a school fight get scheduled for a specific
2: time, but that happens all the time in children's media. You know, we didn't go to public school. Maybe it, maybe it did happen or used to happen. It's probably, like, group chats now, you know? But I'm also, I I wonder if that happens less due to, like, par- like going, because obviously it's, like, on phones now. You go to a teacher. There's going to be a fight right here at this time. Like, it's pretty easy to, like, stop it. I would agree. Yeah. So I guess we had more to say about that. It's a very
1: antiquated bullying episode in a lot of ways. I also just think, especially now, a kid like the kid who shows up at the end would probably be laughed out of a school. Yeah. All right, the case of the missing train car. When a model train car goes missing at its end, many kids suspect Michelle Terry, a girl with a bad reputation. Now, I seem to recall
2: only one kid suspecting her. I always thought this was a relatively impressive episode. Is, was this remade? Yeah. Or was this the version that stayed? This was remade because it was Officer Harley. Okay. You know, there's a few Harley stuff that, like, sneaks in, like, one or two times. Yes. So I wasn't sure if that was uh, one of these. This is such an interesting episode from Witt's perspective, I feel like. Yes. I, I agree. I, I do also
1: want to say, I think Witt's behavior in this episode makes more sense than in the remake. In the remake, he's kind of hot-headed about it. Like, I
2: know she didn't do anything wrong, I'm going to yell at everybody about it. In this one, he's kind of talking more calmly. Yeah. I, 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 I They probably wanted, like, the ending in the remake to have a bigger punch. Yes, I, I agree. But I think this version, minus Officer Harley, is a better take on the episode.
1: It's more realistic, at least. Yes, because, like, okay, again, the ending of the remake always bothers me because she says, good thing those, they fell on the ground about the train wheels, and that's how they catch her? It's like, well, yeah, they, maybe they did fall on the ground. That doesn't feel like an out-of-line assumption to make. But she mentions the train wheels when no one had brought them up in the original version, and that's much more of
2: a smoking gun. I know, like, saying they found them on the ground and it's like in, like, the remake, and it's like, oh, like, they could have been elsewhere. Yeah, Exactly. It's so minor of a thing. It's a semantics thing. Where this, it's like, yeah, much more clear. Yes. And
1: being a police officer in this episode, you know, when it's Kurt in the remake, this, I think Whit lets it go a little too far.
2: At least when Dr. Harley's like, okay, maybe there's a procedural thing here. Yeah. I do think the the show, the episode could have, and maybe it would have to have been a two-part episode to really accomplish this, but maybe should have uh, talked about the implications of accusing someone like this and how even if they seem likely and, like, it ended up being her, they shouldn't have accused them. Because it just kind of ends, like, being, like, oh, the kids were right to accuse her because it, like, has to wrap up quick enough. Yeah, but I appreciate so early on they kind of have an episode showing, oh, sometimes even if you give a person the benefit of the doubt, they're going to fail you. Right. I just think it needed to balance, like, the message it's going for the first, like, 75%, which is a really good message until, like, the 25, like, the end twist, where it kind of, like, actually, like, flips the lesson on... Not on win, but like it flips like like oh, it's actually also about the fact that people could fail you. Yes, I, I agree, and I
1: don't know if the remake does that better or worse. I wish it actually make another episode kind of in this vein at some point.
3: Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion one fifty. Then
1: I would say this about this episode and the other Harley episodes we're going to cover. It sounds like a lot of effects are missing. Yeah. Maybe it's just having the remakes and you know there should be more music or more, like, background sound. Like, when Connie's fighting the vacuum, you don't hear the vacuum. Yeah. And the kid playing Warren in this is reading all the lines like this, so it kind of feels like a table read or a rehearsal. It was probably a quickly recorded
2: episode for whatever reason.
1: That's very possible. All right. Next up, a simple addition. In an effort to get attention, young Mickey does whatever he can to get his parents to stop talking about their soon-to-be-born child.
3: I think
2: this is a fine episode. I think I feel like I remember listening it to a lot, for, like a lot, for some reason. I think it was in, in like a CD player for a while. That's very possible. I think. I mean, again, it's a, it's a pretty generic type of story. Like young child gets a new sibling who takes the attention away from him. I feel like the boots motivation is weird. Well, if he's supposed to be four, you could see a kid fixating on that? I guess so. I feel like because as the end of the episode is, uh, grandparent missionaries from Brazil sent him some boots. And I feel like they were trying to realistically think of what a missionary grandparent could send to their grandchild. That is very possible. Like they were like, well, a toy, like it's, if he really wants a toy, so it'd to be like a specific toy that they probably don't have in Brazil. And they were like, what else? Like, some kind of clothing? And they're like, what would a little boy like? And they're like, ooh, little boys like exploring. They like jumping in puddles. It works. Oh my God. I
1: I, was going to say, say, since this was a family portraits episode, I get it. But I do agree. The boots are clearly there. So there's some like, God knew all along message at the end. So is the episode about
2: sibling rivalry, like it says on the wiki, or that God's plan is the best? It's like, it's almost both. In a weird way. It's funny to me how emotionally they play the boots thing at the end. Like, the mom, I feel like, almost starts choking up. Yes. But I would also, I, I could also argue, if you weren't paying super close attention, you'd miss the boots thing and the ending would be strange. I agree. I will say I appreciated Jingle Bells, the pup. Yes. I thought that was a pretty good scene. Being with the pup honestly needs better use of pups. Oh, well, I got Buck's three legged dog. Who, has he appeared in an episode since? No, they got him. I don't think so. Yeah, precisely.
1: Yeah. So we've officially made it through all the Family Portrait episodes. Yay! Yay! All right. The quality of mercy. Ten-year-old troublemaker Scott Williams is let off the hook when he's trying to steal apples from Tom Riley. Unfortunately, Scott doesn't extend the same mercy to others.
2: I appreciate the Shakespeare reference for the title. Yes. First and foremost, very important to say. Agreed. I will say this. Obviously, an episode that was remade. I feel like this works a little better because I don't think Rodney particularly works in this story as well when it's like, I guess it like fits with Rodney's character, but they almost have to like make Rodney seem like a little bit like at the end. He's like, what? Like, yeah, like, it seems like Rodney like is played too innocently in the remake and this one, like not having it have all that baggage works a little better. I agree with that. That would have been pretty early in Rodney's run on the show, though. Yeah, it's true. But yes, with the baggage we know about Rodney from future episodes, it does come off a little weird and especially comes off weird for Bart. Yeah, exactly. I think it's more Bart than anything. Or, as that episode famously said, Bert. Bill. Bill, Bill, Bill. So, but,
1: uh, yeah, this episode is fine. Uh, I mean, it's basically, the, the new one's basically a beat-for-beat remake of different characters. And I, but, yes, this kid just sounds like a slight
2: troublemaker, maybe a little off the rails. Then he needs the to get up over $2. I get him redoing the parable, but come on. You know what's funny is the father's name in this episode was Bill. So, clearly what happened is they just took the script... And were like removing and like changing the names and forgot to change bill to birds or Barts. that ep- i will say this that episode is also the first appearance of bart rathbone so yeah
1: that's I fair kn- i know in their little goofs bonus feature they did that was listed but since it's the first time he appears i'm more than okay saying oh well maybe they changed their minds yeah but yeah i guess we'll cover more of this when we get to
2: the remake but again there, there seems to be a lot of missing background sound They were, it was early, you know. I feel like they're trying, the episodes started getting more complex here. I would agree with that. Like, more stuff's going on that probably they just hadn't quite worked out that, like, oh, we're talking about this, we should have that sound effect. Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, I do just want to say there's a couple, uh, there's three fun facts about this episode. This was the first episode to be titled Adventures in Odyssey.
2: Cool. Instead of Odyssey USA.
1: Yes. This was also the first episode that the writers dubbed a parallel parable. I don't know how many of those they had. There's no wiki link to it. Uh, this is also the first episode where Chris does not sign off using her last name. There's all these major changes. Lastly, it's the first episode where another character does the teaching instead of wit. Huh. So, it's a lot of Odyssey first. that
2: don't feel earth-shattering, but they are kind of important as to where the show would start going. Yeah. It's stuff where you're like, yeah, I guess that is significant. I mean, some of it's, like, retcons. Like, Odyssey, like... Uh, not calling really it Honest USA and like Chris's last name It's stuff where, unless you were watching from the beginning, you probably wouldn't have noticed. But now, because now it's just mainstay, and they've kind of like wiped that out. Except for a couple Harley episodes, but uh, yeah, you are
1: right. Yeah. Last yeah. episode, oh, last episode for this go around, gotcha. Mills <laughs> file.
0: Philo Sanderson loves pulling practical jokes, but what is disturbed when Philo says he has a lucky rabbit's foot to keep him safe?
2: Um, I guess this episode's maybe a little stronger than the remake version that we'll talk about later. Well, they didn't remake it. They reused part of it. Right, because this one has, like, like, right, the rabbit's foot thing is pretty important, I feel like. So the rabbit's foot itself, not really, but it's the Witten County discussion about the occult, and it's the first Bible Room episode. (laughs) Oh, the Bible Room. I feel like that quickly, once the imagination station was a thing, I feel like they tried to keep the Bible Room around for a while where there's, like, there's some, like, inventions in there, but, like, really at the end of the day. I always assumed the Imagination Station was in the Bible Room. I always assumed it was in the basement for some reason.
1: <laughs> so, I under, so it, it's interesting to me, because there's so much crucial stuff in terms of the canon of Odyssey that I'm surprised for so long to take those episodes, or even just remake it without Harley and hope people didn't notice. Yeah. I will say this. Oh,
2: sorry, say what you are
1: going to say. say like Officer Orion, because this is, I believe, the episode where Harley keeps trying to tell a joke, but he keeps being cut off by loud noises. Officer Orion has that bit later, so I don't know why they didn't just remake the full thing.
2: I know I I feel like the whole thing with the rabbit's foot is weird. I mean, it's it's important in kind of Connie and Wits relationship and Connie like connecting with stuff. But I also like refer like it seems like such like an 80s or 90s Christianity thing where like well rabbits would have like occult origins. Where like sure like or like pagan like rabbit's foot are different. I don't know if it was like an act like an actual rabbit's foot. I I feel like would be kind of weird. The horoscope I get kind of at least very clearly like debunk that. But I feel like being, like, rabbit's foot is, like, the occult. Seems pretty intense. I mean, like, it seems leaning a little towards saying, well, like, the Christian's, like, you shouldn't celebrate Christmas because it was originally a pagan holiday. Yeah, but honestly, we'll never do that kind of episode. Well, they did it for Halloween. Yeah, but, I know, but that's, I feel like it's
1: harder to argue the Christmas thing at this point. But, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And we'll get to that Halloween episode when we get to it. But on the whole, this is good. I think it is the most solid of the Harley episodes. I almost think it does kind of work better as a flashback vehicle in the episode where Katrina with End because there is so much. I think cutting out some of final practical jokes makes the story more powerful.
2: Yeah, it's it's a weirdly balanced episode how it is.
1: Yes. Oh, and I do want to point out this episode was partially remade as pranks for the memories of Kurt, but it was just the pranking part. The Bible Room stuff was obviously taken out.
2: I think that's what I was thinking when I said it was a remake.
1: Right. They just never remade the story, even if in that episode. They were like having Whit explain to Lucy the final room story as they were going along, and just kind of cut the Philo's. Well, Philo's the whole reason he starts, but
2: yeah, it's it's it has some punch to it. I do think that it's funny given like the episodes like talking about like like horoscopes and the cults are you know like from Satan and like it's Satan trying to pull a joke on a, on us. the episode's called Gotcha. I would agree with that. It does. That's why like I I, I remember listening to this now like, prepping for this episode, but at first I was like, oh, yeah, it's, like, the practical joke one where it's, like, he gets, like, pranked at the end. I mean, it is that one, so. Well, right, right, but I, I forgot temporarily about the horoscope stuff.
1: All right. Sorry, just, I just had to take a breath there. So, good episode. I think the B-plot is significantly better than all this prank stuff, but still very good. Um. Yeah. That, that wraps it up for this time. I think that this is kind of going to be our last episode that is mostly Harley and remakes. Uh, the next
2: episode, the next episode we're going to talk about is Harley takes the case, part one and two. Well, yeah, and then the rest of them are fresh episodes. That's right. So, but you know, we've gone through the first twenty four
1: episodes of Odyssey. So that's roughly a television season, and I feel like we can slowly seem to see it find its footing. Yeah. I I would say my thought would be once we get to the family. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day.